welcome ladies and thank you guys so much for joining us for our first ever conversations with mom podcast uh, my name is and i'm the founder of conversations with mom um, today we will be speaking all things endometriosis um, from speaking about experiences understanding what it is um, and kind of breaking um and kind of breaking the myths or busting the myths with regards to um, endometriosis. Um, so I'm joined by um, three amazing, amazing guests. And I'm going to allow you guys to please introduce yourselves. Um, and yeah, and then we will continue the conversation. Ntsako, would you like to start? Cool. Um, my name is Ntsako Mtlanga. I am, I don't know if I should <laughs> speak about what I do. But I'm in communications. Um, I'm also a social entrepreneur, and I'm currently living with endometriosis. Thank you. Candace? Hi. Um, hi. Yeah. Hi. I'm Candice. Um, I am a menstruation an activist. I'm an author. Um, also a Lilette's brand ambassador, and I don't have endometriosis, but I do know of it. Um, you know, from a theoretical background, but I'm always so keen to just have these conversations and learn more about it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Candice. Hi, everyone. I am Wanka Nesuisui. I am currently doing my final year studying industrial psychology with law at Northwest University. I am also currently living with endometriosis. Thank you so much, ladies. I think with me as well, I also don't have endometriosis, but I think um, we need to start having those conversations. More recently, um, I wanted to go to the gynae, and I keep going back to um, something Olotulu Shabani said to you, I think years back, when she was like, we don't actually visit the gynae unless someone's pregnant. And I'm not pregnant, but I want to go just to make sure that everything is okay. Um, And also just going to, like, going for pap smears, I think those things just give us so much anxiety, and we don't know how important that they actually are. Mm, mm. So I think to start off today's conversation, I wanted us to speak a bit about um, what is endometriosis. I know I don't have it, so I, I, I'm, and there's certain perceptions about what it is um, and what it isn't. So I wanted us to first um, have a discussion about um, what is endometriosis and what do we understand it to be? Because I think a lot of people connect with it in different ways and they might not understand the medical term of it, um, but they live through it so they understand what it is in essence. So yeah, can you guys please share your thoughts on what um, endometriosis is? Okay, from my understanding and obviously the research that I've done and also the experience that I've been through, um, endometriosis is when the tissue that, so you know how you have tissue within the uterus? Yeah. So endometriosis is when the tissue grows outside of the uterus. So you know how just before, and Candice, please chime in, my minister, to correct me. (laughs) But you know how when you're about to start your period, your uterine lining rises and that's where the blood comes from, like the shedding of the of the uterine lining. So that doesn't necessarily yeah. happen with endometriosis because that tissue grows outside of the of the uterus. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean just hearing that already is like pretty problematic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. essentially like when a, a menstruator has endometriosis, um the tissue that looks and acts like the lining of the uterus starts growing in other places other than yeah. inside of the uterus. So it's like pieces of your nose growing in different parts of your body and that can cause like 
intense um, pain, pelvic pain. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can cause intense menstrual bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is with endometriosis, what I think people don't, you know, understand is that like you could say I have very heavy, heavy, heavy cramps or painful cramps, but then you just brush it off like it's your period. Yeah. And I think that's why there needs to be so much more emphasis on saying, you know, if you rate your 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 cramps on a scale of zero to ten and it's higher than five, then you should go and see a gynecologist. There should be no reason as to why you should suffer yeah. every minute every time you're, you're menstruating it there should be no reason whatsoever mm. so um yeah you know the thing is with the, these endometrial implants they like they grow um you know they, they can literally grow on the intestine the bladder yeah. anywhere else mm. the lining of your pelvic cavity and that's why you experience that intense pain because it's 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 not necessarily growing inside the uterus um, and the statistics are very scary because Looking in America, it's believed that more than 5 million American women, including teenage girls, are affected. Yeah. But when we look in Africa, we're not entirely sure what the statistics are. It's, like, yeah. there's not, not enough statistics showing because, again, there's not enough awareness about what endometriosis is, is because people are just way too scared to mm. go to a gynecologist. Yeah. But even then, access to a gynecologist, exactly. access to proper medical treatment is expensive. Or mm. inaccessible. Mm. You only have one doctor yeah. in the province mm. that treats endometriosis, and that's not cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because even my doctor for endometriosis is in KZN, and that was one of the biggest challenges that I had to face, like mm. even with the lockdown, because I was due for an appointment. I think a week after lockdown was implemented, and I couldn't go, and I was off treatment for almost three months. So wow. there's only like three. To my knowledge, there's only three, because um, we looked for them, there's only three endometriosis specialists in the country. There's one in um, Gauteng who was booked off until August, and child, I ain't going to wait that long. Yeah. There was mm. another one in Cape Town, and child, mm-mm. KZN was literally like <laughs> the most accessible person. And guys, when I say accessible, I mean I have to fly there, because I can't drive now because I'm putting myself at risk. I have to fly mm. there, there and back. I still have to drive to the actual hospital, pay for the medication and the appointments. Like when we get to the part where we actually speak about how expensive endometriosis treatment is, you're, we need a trust fund for it. Yes, Wanga, go Mm -hmm. ahead. Um, I think it was Candice. I'm not sure who it was. I think Candice mentioned, um, um, how the treatment and the expenses of going to the gynecologist for um, uh, checking for endometriosis and stuff. I remember when I turned 21, so I was um, kicked off my original family medical aid. So I needed to wait until mine kicked in. So I decided, because I was in intense pain, I decided to go to a public hospital because I needed painkillers. When you get there and you tell them that your medical diagnosis is endometriosis, they don't even take you serious. It's like, what are you saying? Who diagnosed you? For how long you were diagnosed? And actually, they gave me allergics for the pain I was feeling. They did not believe that I had endometriosis. For them, it was sort of like a mockery that no. I mean, like endometriosis is a big thing. As young as you are, how could you have it? It was like, it was shocking because actually people on girls are living with endometriosis. So it's, it's quite shocking how people don't believe that it actually exists. 
true. Yeah. Yo, that is that's such a difficult thing to sit with. I'm like thinking about all the people that are undiagnosed right now, living with yeah. endometriosis, don't have treatment. But even if you do, like, how do you then confront the healthcare system? Because it's just, I feel like it's failing us so much. Yeah. If mm. that's what is happening to you at a public facility, um, mm. and, uh, just affording a gynae is expensive, guys. I think mm-hmm. I had to also fight just to go to the gynae because I'm on this. Uh, I'm also on a medical aid. But I'm on the medical aid with my family. Mm. And so mm. my brother has diabetes as well. Um, just health-wise, everyone is just yeah, having their own things. And so our medical aid funds get depleted very quickly. So when I wanted to go to the gynae, they were depleted. And this was when June, um, early June. No, May, early May, end of June. Um, early May, between, yeah, early May, end of May. Um, <laughs> and so when I wanted to go, it was very... And I had to sit with like the cost of... of um, one consultation because when I went they were like it's 1,000 I think 1,500 yeah. for mm. consultation and I was like I must take all of this not just to check if I'm okay that's mm. not even me just like them finding out that something is wrong and I need treatment and I need to do this just to check if I'm okay so I think yeah. a lot of us we sit in privileged positions um, and we don't realize how so many people are going through so much, guys. And um, I don't know. It's just, it's a mess. I think our healthcare system really is a mess. Mm. And we need to find a stronger way of having, we need to find a better way of having these conversations. Um, so we power um, women to also have these dialogues within their families as well, yeah. um, with their friends, empower themselves with the knowledge so that when they do find themselves um, having these um, these excessive uh, pains, they're, they're empowered enough to go to the hospital also doctor and face these medical health especially from the government side but face these healthcare practitioners and be like this is what I'm feeling and knowing what I know about um, menstrual health um, about endometriosis this might be it and I need to get mm. tested I need to get checked yeah. but yeah. you're also know, extremely like problematic with this um, whole thing is the fact that when a woman complains about period pains it's almost like the woman is expected to endure you know physical pain because Vélez, yes. like were made yeah. to be like that. Mm. So like even dating back in high school, I mean, I remember some of my teachers, whenever I used to complain that guys like I genuinely can't even move, I can't even walk, I can't do anything. They'd be like, no man, just pop a pill. Everyone has been through this. Everyone goes through this every single month. Yeah. Relax, you're not the only one. And then mm. only to find out that when I matriculated and in first year, when I decided to go and get myself checked out, I had a completely different disorder to what the teachers painted it out yeah, to be. Yeah, they yeah. just painted it to be um, just uh, normal periods. And normal it's unfortunate period. that when the teachers do that, they convince your parents as well that exactly. you know, this person is just exaggerating. She's mm-hmm. just, you know, mm-hmm. but in my household, like it was a norm that every month for the first three days of my period, I would not even go to school. Like, it was a non-negotiable at home. Like, I would not go to school. My dad would even stay home. My dad would literally stock up on pads because he knows that, like, it would be intense. He would make sure that he buys me my favorite food all the time. I always used to come. Like, it's, it's as much as it sounds like a luxury, but can you imagine the expense that yeah. every single month you know that you're not going to school for three days? You know that you literally cannot move and you're going to have to endure pain. And the trauma you have to go through just waiting for this thing to come, like... Yeah, mentally it really messes you up Uh, uh. that's why for me it's important especially when people uh, say you know I experience like intense pain that it's important that you keep like a period diary Mm. or even if it's on your phone where you record this information every time you experience pain and the following the questions you have to ask yourself when you experience the pain is 
what type of pain is it? Is it sharp? Yeah. Is it dull? Is it aching? Is it crampy? Yeah. Where Location, where is it? Mm-hmm. How long does it last? The timing. Is the pain related to your period? Like you're going to the bathroom or you, you know, picking something up. The intensity. This is the most important thing that I'll always repeat. On a scale of one yeah. to 10, how bad is the pain? Mm-hmm. If it's above a five, then it's important that you go and see someone. Yeah. And treatment, yeah. like, did you try anything to make the pain go away? Did it help? Did it make anything, like, did it make the pain worse? And if, like, you know, in as much as, like, the, the severity of the pain isn't necessarily an indication of how severe your endometriosis might be, mm-hmm. it's just important to know that, like, it's, it's essentially like a, a, a case of self-care. Like, you don't want yourself yes. to go through this pain. Because mm. if you know you can't go through daily activities, it, yeah. it can be debilitating to your life. So it's just important yeah. to say that if I'm going through this intense pain, I really just need to see someone. Yeah. And just, yeah, like just just prioritize that. I feel that yeah. there are a lot of people who just are always told that periods are normal. And with the periods, you will have severe cramps. But so severe that I must, I must just stay at home mm-hmm. and I mustn't do anything. It can't be like that. I should still go and carry on with my life. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's one of those things I think that a lot of people need to have conversations about. And I think this is where education comes in now. Because if in Sacco's teachers were sort of educated about actual puberty, actual menstruation, actual sexuality education, they res- their first response wouldn't be just pop a pull. Their yeah. first response be let's take her to the sick bay and let's yeah. get a doctor to, uh, to treat her symptoms right mm. um because popping a pull like it's also just creating a dependency on the fact that okay exactly. i just should just take medicine mm. and just take a medicine but also yeah. you know what i find very problematic is that your general practitioner your general doctors also have a tendency of just saying just pop a pull yeah. and you'll be mm-hmm. fine mm. and it's just it's not enough your you, your examination needs to be really thorough you really need to do a physical exam, take me through, I need to take you through my medical history, I need to take you through my family's health, I need to take Mm -hmm. you through the medications I've been going through. You need to, like, you need to just be really thorough. And Mm -hmm. I think as as menstruators, we need to be more demanding, right? Because at the end of the day, it is our bodies. And Mm so we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't receive treatment that is subpar, especially with our bodies, you Mm -hmm. know? So yeah, and and also I think I'm I'm getting sick and tired of people gaslighting women's pain. Like, why? Mm. And people don't even understand that when I have a sharp period pain, and I think Wanga, maybe you've experienced this too. But whenever a period comes, for me sometimes it would even feel like someone's popping popcorn. Like it would literally yeah. feel like there's a popping pain inside. Yeah. And when I found out that that popping pain was actually because I had 11 cysts on my ovaries. Oh 11. My and those cysts, but mind you, they were probably the size of, like, you know, the, an Easter egg? Yeah. Mm. Like that. Just maybe like half of an Easter egg. That was the size of each cyst. Now, I'm thinking, okay, why is why does it feel like it's popping? I mean, I get the sharp, I get the dull, but yeah. this is literally popping. And you get women like that who are experiencing these things, but they don't know because they're constantly gaslighted. Yeah. It's yeah. like, no, man, but you're a woman. You guys are strong. You'll be able to handle it. But imagine yeah. if I'm sitting with 11 cysts, one of them could have popped. Exactly. One of them could have could have ruined my whole system completely. If yeah. I didn't pick that up, I mean, what would have happened? And I think that's the thing is, is the fact that even women themselves gaslight other women 
who yeah. experience mm. things. And now it, it gets to a point where you get, like, for example, Candice and I talk about my period every month. Like, it's a thing in our friendship where we literally <laughs> talk about my period. If there's anything abnormal. And I, I think I do this because I want to also help her with her research and the work that she does that, there's someone with experience who's doing this. Here's this information, friend. But at the same time, it's also just to like almost make her my diary that yeah. this is happening every month. This is actually what's going on. Mm. So as women, we also need to create that community that I can literally talk to you about my period. And you don't, you don't gaslight me. You don't make me feel like, oh, shame. You know, she's just being traumatic. It's just one of yeah. those months, yeah. you know? And yeah. And also, can we just make period care packages a norm? also i wanted to say um the thing about the diagnosis of endometriosis like when i was diagnosed um, i feel like i need to emphasize the importance of getting a second opinion because my gynae at the time just liked cutting me she knew i had oh, endo no. but she never really treated it in time so i was all would always I would always come in and then she would always say, Okay, choose a date when you're free. She always liked cutting me. I have so many scars, like it was so bad until one time I was like, No, I need to go somewhere else. And I that's when I went to a specialist and then he was like, No, you need to be treated like I need to get hormonal pills. We need to, you know, all mm. your contraceptives. Um, I'm on the Miranda now. But then um the diagnosis of it is really important because these doctors, I feel like also some of them they don't really care about the pain you're going through. They don't know, they don't want to treat it like they mm. should. They just want to make money by just cutting you. So I had to like stand up and say, okay, I'm missing too much of school because I'm busy. Um, because I've had like um five, six surgeries. Like it's just Yo. not, it's oh, not that's worth a lot. it. And then the the recent one was now in when was it? Um, I think May. Yeah, in May. And I'm like, it's the sixth one. And like, I was just so tired because my endometriosis, I was diagnosed, I think, in matric, yeah, 2014, 2015. And ever since, I wasn't taking pills initially. They were just cutting me the whole time. Mm. Yeah, and that's because I, I trusted that one doctor. I didn't want to move around and get a second opinion that do I really have endometriosis? But then I did, but it was not being treated. So even the treatment for it is very important. Mm, mm. I think that's, I think you also like spoke about something that is so important, like having to trust your healthcare practitioner, having to trust your doctor yes. with such a big thing. I think it's not, it's not something small. It's not like it's a minor headache or whatever. Yeah. This is something mm. so big. Um, and you need to have that trust with your doctor so that you know that whatever they're doing to you, it's not for the sake of, you know, um, maybe getting more, like for cutting you, having all these surgeries, they're going to get more money or for whatever personal gains or whatever, but it's just to make sure that you're okay. Um, and it also takes like a lot on you, I think mental health wise. Um, it's just, I think, it, I feel like it's a lot. I'm just hearing you guys speak about your experiences. It sounds so heavy. Um, but I think as well, there's a lot of things where there's a lot of misconception with regards to endometriosis. And I want us yeah. to speak a bit about certain myths um, about endometriosis and let's 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 tackle these myths together so one very one very most common um, myth and i think there's some that we spoke about is that endometriosis is just a really heavy period yeah and i think a lot of us have spoken about how it really is not it's not just a really heavy period we're not imagining this it's not in our head um it's serious 
If it was a really heavy period, guys, I really wouldn't be on this podcast. Like, I won't even lie to you. I would just know, Uguti, now I stock up like it's nappies. I stock up on pads. Like, do you think I'd really be that tripping over being the fountain of youthful menstruation? No. This thing is more than just heavy period. We are the triggering myths. The one one myth that's very interesting is that, like, they'll say that women or menstruators with endometriosis have a low pain threshold. And it's like, there's no way, guys, you can experience painful periods, pain during and around ovulation, pain during or after sex, heavy bleeding, pain with your bowel movements, pain in your pelvic area, with fatigue and nausea, diarrhea and constipation. And you're telling me I, I'm, I, I don't experience pain at all. It's a lot of pain to be going through every yeah. single month. And then on top mm. of that, what I also don't like is that people think that with uh, people who have endometriosis have difficulty falling pregnant. But in fact, there are people who have actually fallen pregnant with endometriosis. Yes. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things where you'd have to speak to a specialist so that you could basically figure out how your fertility is sort of affected but there are actual stories of people who have had endometriosis and have had children. So, mm. yeah, it's so important to just debunk these myths because you can still continue living your life. It's just a matter of the, the treatments and the management of it all. Yeah. And I think also vice versa. You can have children and then later on develop endometriosis. It's not like mm. a linear circle, you know. But I think another important thing, I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of young people especially always think that I think maybe now it's something different, but I think the myth as well is that only um, older women can develop um, endometriosis. Yeah. And like mm. I think with this conversation, we're realizing that, no, it's also like us, young people as well. Um, uh, Wanga, you were talking about you getting diagnosed at 18. Imagine, yeah. Matrik, even you and Zako, like, it's it's something that is not, there's no, it doesn't wait for you to turn 30. And it's like, hey, yeah. it's yeah. not like, um, what's this thing? It's not like, um, what's this word again? With an M, after your forties, it's not like menopause. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, what I I don't know. I just feel like there is an issue with uh, I don't know. Like people just the thing is, it's just a lack of information. It's a lack of yeah. awareness yeah. because some people even think that pregnancy can cure endometriosis but some people don't know that you know it's pregnant sometimes when you are pregnant you can get endometriosis some people think that tampons can cause endometriosis and i that was something i couldn't understand i don't know where that myth originate originated um but it's just it's you know it's that idea because tampons block the flow of menstrual blood so you know the menstrual blood is kept in and and it's like no that that's again a myth it's just yeah. so important to unpack these myths and you know i think there needs to be greater awareness especially on the south african front to mm. discuss endometriosis because when i look internationally there are so many coalitions there's yes. so many organizations yes. that bring uh, endometriosis as like an awareness there'll be marches there'll be talks there'll be people wearing yellow like yeah. you know it was only this year that i discovered that yellow is actually the color of uh endometriosis awareness yeah. right yeah and i think there can be more that is done especially in the african context mm. you can unpack so many conversations with regards to you know 
pain management and pain threshold and and and, and most importantly how doctors don't take women's problems seriously yeah. like yes. they, it's just it's it's a greater it's a greater issue it's a greater human rights issue other than just like pain it's yeah it's so many other things and yeah. so it's just it's very important to like bring more awareness to this conversation yeah and yeah, coming I, back to that um sorry coming back to that doctors not bringing in it's so funny because my experience with the whole gynae thing was my first gynae was a woman uh, uh, a, a very an, an old woman and i expected her to know everything because i mean she's been yeah. in the game for a while she yeah. just popped the pill yeah i've been popping pills guys matter <laughs> and then she made me pop the pill cool that wasn't working second um opinion was a female doctor now i'm with a male gynecologist who literally even takes me saying ouch a little bit so seriously yeah. and that's Ooh. so strange to me is it because he doesn't know what a period should yeah. feel like feels yes. like and that's why he takes everything but for me it was i had to now literally allow myself to open up my flower to a male gynae which was not the ideal for me and yeah. it's nothing like it's nothing personal or anything i just prefer a woman because i thought a woman would actually know yeah. exactly how i, I feel yeah but i'm yeah. having a better experience with a male gynae because he has absolutely no idea how this feels and therefore every little thing that he or that i i say or i tell him or i report he takes it as like the biggest thing so, and that's why even now the treatment I'm on has been working and has been at least stabilizing me because of that. I was booked mm. into surgery immediately. And the surgery, I don't know how you did it six times, Wanga. Like, genuinely, I respect you for that. Because I'm telling you now, if you've been through a laparoscopy, you can go through any physical thing in your life. That thing yeah. changes everything about you. It changes your body. Your hormones are raging. I remember every day just wanting seafood. Like, that's all I wanted. And if you didn't give it to me, I'd literally be angry. Like, uh-huh. you you gain weight. You're, like, double the yeah. size. You Your hormones are up and down. Yes, you can definitely. barely sleep. And sometimes you sleep too much. Yeah. And then your stomach is bloated. Like you literally All look five months pregnant, pregnant for at least two months. Yeah. Mm. So you also have to experience that people asking you, oh, wow, are you I'm expecting? Pregnant. No, I'm, I'm expecting myself to heal. That's what I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I wanted to um, talk about, um, you guys mentioned one of the myths is um, how they think endometriosis, I mean, pregnancy can heal endometriosis. I was actually told that, and I was doing my first year, so I was 19, and they told me, no, when you get pregnant, and my doctor was telling me this, when you get pregnant, I don't know what happens when you're pregnant and you'll heal it. I was so desperate. I told my boyfriend at the time, give me a baby because I want to get rid of this pain. I even told my parents, you guys know I have endometriosis, so if I get a baby, please don't be shocked. I'm just trying to escape from the pain. So. It was, it was, mm. and it's it's not like you know when you get your myths from people in general yes. but this was from a doctor an actual doctor who was like and i trusted her so i was like so desperate i was like give me a baby and that's all i want i was so desperate because the pain is unbearable and like we should also i don't know if Ntako, you experience um chronic fatigue i'm always tired and people think i'm lazy and i'm not I'm in bed, sis. Mm. I'm literally <laughs> recording. Like, I'm not even kidding. I'm recording like this. I, and I took my laptop from the, the, my mini office there and I put it here. Like, you, it's a lot, especially because of the new treatment that I'm on now. Yeah. I am tired 100% of the time. Yeah. Mm. 
I think as well one of one of the myths that I found very it's very interesting I was just like I don't know how but then um and I think it also just goes to that lack of information lack of knowledge about what endometriosis actually is um mm-hmm. is that endometriosis is something that can be sexually transmitted <laughs> I'm sorry for <laughs> laughing I'm sorry for laughing <laughs> I was also just like, yeah. what? but then I was like, you have to understand. I think I, I, I see where people can get that misconception about like wh- how it can be an STD or an STI or something that's sexually transmitted. But I'm just like, no, it's not. How? It's the mm. same thing with the tampon, um, the tampon yeah. um, myth that it's um, um, wearing tampons can, can, um, can uh, make you at risk of, of get, um, getting endometriosis. Mm. Mm. and also just a tip to women like i i know my mom is probably going to listen to this podcast but i will say this because i'm growing up um but (laughs) for women who have not treated endometriosis and you're having sexual intercourse stop Mm. i would i i would personally say stop and please go get it treated because you do not deserve that pain yeah that that i wanga i don't even girl that pain (laughs) Like you know, yes. before, during, after, it's it just Terrible. go get it treated first. And I know celibacy is a lot, guys, but I would rather advise, like from my experience, I'd advise a woman to go get it treated because yes. also if you're going to engage sexually with your partner or who with whoever, you need to disclose that listen, I have endometriosis. So when yeah. I say ow, oh, stop, like don't if I if I let you complain about a certain pain or, or, or where you're doing things, stop. Because mm. it's literally you're tampering with 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 my organs that's already yeah. going through the most. Yeah. Like I, I, for me and Jay, I wish someone told me that. Maybe trace it first and then hop mm. on to you know other adventures. But I would not, <laughs> yeah, I would not recommend for women with endometriosis who have not treated, who have not, or at least undergone some sort of treatment to do it because. One, you're really also you you sort of putting salt to the wound, you know, like mm-hmm. already the tissues growing out of your uterus, and now you're engaging in that kind of activity. It's just, it's it's yeah, you yeah, like yeah, yeah, it, basically you're tunuga, like you. I don't know how to say that in English. Yeah, tunuga slond. How do you say this in English? You are putting lemon or yeah. salt on the wound. Yeah, yeah, you're hurting the wound. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um. Oh, now that you've mentioned that, um, a question arose in my mind that, yes, you are saying that um, before you engage in such, you need to obviously cheat the endometriosis. The problem with that is that, um, sorry, excuse me. The problem with that is that um, the diagnosis of endometriosis in South Africa is, I don't know if I should say underrated or not taken serious. A lot of people have endo, but they don't even know it. So it's like mm. you go, you complain of um, pain. Let me take an example. Like my friends, like um, just this week, my friend um, was going through pelvic pain. And when you get to the hospital, they they don't even, obviously you have to check with the sonar and everything. But they do this mm. observation thing where they just look at you. And if you look fine, then they just give you panados, like a schedule zero, literally schedule zero. I don't know mm. what they want us to do with the schedule zero. But then how then do we address this issue of diagnosis? Because I don't think many girls will ever know because of the health system. So it's a yeah. big, big issue. Yeah, it's the same thing with my experience a couple of months back. Um, so I have an IUD and then I went to go 
to my doctor um i had like pelvic pains for i think like a week or two it was like yeah. it was just unbearable for me so i decided to go to my doctor first so that maybe i could get a referral to the gynae i didn't ho- know how that process all worked yeah so um i went to the doctor and i'm like listen i have pelvic pains everything told them everything gave them the details and then the doctor was like no i think it was a student doctor or something i'm not sure but my my usual doctor wasn't that he's practiced mm. so they were like no he doesn't know how to operate the scanning machine so then he's just going to give me antibiotics yeah and then how he's going to give me antibiotics because he thinks that it's an infection and then if the pain still is there um afterwards um then i must come back and then they'll get they'll try get someone to like to to check me to like scan and everything so I, I, was like, I was shook i was like okay i didn't know this is how it works so i just went i went home i took the the, the antibiotics luckily um the day after i went to the doctor my period started so i was like okay maybe it was my period but i've never experienced this like pain so severe yeah and mm. so that, for that week my pain was like it was, it was heavy it was severe and i was like okay it's fine luckily afterwards i didn't experience much pain um so i thought okay maybe it was the infection but i'm like how risky is that Mm. but even no, what type of infection is it because i mean you did i mean at the time what what did they say what specific infection is it because you they did get the IUD. exactly the IUD is known to create uh you know for the first three to six even a year you will have intense uh pain right because mm. remember there's a foreign object in your uterus so your uterus is sort of and you know the thing is every time your uterus contracts it's contracting with that small little object. So your cramps yes. are most likely going to be intense, right? Mm. Um, and you will experience pain in different regions because there is this foreign object in your uterus. Yeah. So like when, when doctors say things like infections, then I become very skeptical because I'm like, okay, would you, can you draw up blood work then? Because I really want to know exactly right. what type of infection yeah. that I have yeah. so I know exactly how to prevent it in the future. Mm-hmm. Because if he, like... This is why, for me personally, this is why I'm very, like, open with doctors because they are providing you a service, but the way you interact with them will determine how, you know, the service will be, right? Yeah. So you're, you're the type of person who's just like, okay, yes, doctor, I understand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. They have an oath, right? They have a Hippocratic oath to protect their clients, to serve their clients, and so you need to serve, right? Yes. And for me, it's the thing of, like, if you can't even do a simple thing like doing a sauna, then let me see another doctor. Yeah. And I will pay that other doctor because I can't I can't just be here and then assume that you think I have an infection. Like and mm-hmm. you don't do any blood work. Mm-hmm. Have you asked like what has changed about my body? Do you know that I'm on the IED? Do you know what mm-hmm. happens to the IED? So this is why like I always do research. I always do background research on the doctors, especially the gynecologists that I go to. And I, I tend to prefer the gynecologists that have a lot of like published work or blogs because those are the type that will generally have the time um, to have a conversation with yeah, your body instead of just like sticking objects in your body to get it over and done with. Mm. Um, so my gynecologist, Dr. Sumaya Ibrahim, she's, she's f- fantastic. So firstly, her consultation is 950 so oh my gosh that is number one great her office is amazing because it's like this beautiful sanctuary it's like a garden place and it's Mm. in houghton people are like okay i'm in houghton she's surely she's going to charge me an arm and a leg but she's not that expensive 
she's accessible she's a mom she's been through it all and she just loves helping out because you know she she gets it like she understands and i mm-hmm. feel it's so important to just have someone that you can relate to when they are up in your yoni it's so important like yeah. and unfortunately not a lot of people have that access and it's yeah. just it's it's sad it's a lot so i think um yeah i wanted us as well to speak about and i think it's something that we already have been speaking about um but just like coping with um sorry um just like coping with um endometriosis so sharing like tips on how you live with um and living through endometriosis what support strategy and i feel like with um the main reason why i wanted us to have discussion is because we don't know that we should actually have this bond the sisterhood where we can once we experience these pains, once we are going through this, um, we can count on each other to speak about experiences, know that, okay, I'm going through this pain, I know I'm going through this, and I need someone who understands, or I need someone who wants to just send me a care package, or I need this type of support or that type of support. Um, so just like sharing maybe um, from, I think all four of us could resonate, because I think as long as you're on your periods, we all experience periods differently, um, even endometriosis, um, just sharing what we feel like our tips on surviving or coping through um, our experiences with endometriosis, with the periods, with everything? Well, I have, because the past few years I've been using like painkillers to, you know, get myself through it. I'm really like tired of drinking painkillers because now I'm drinking the, t- uh, the treatment, I'm drinking painkillers, so it's quite a lot. Um, but the thing that I use, it kind of helps a lot because your muscles are contracting and because of your nerves, like everything is just tense in your body. I drink two cups of chamomile tea and then I'm in bed and you get knocked out immediately. I like how like it literally mm. just calms your body. It calms everything down and literally just puts you to sleep. Also, you don't have to experience the fact that now you're drinking pills and you're reliant on them. You know, chamomile tea is not as addictive as painkillers could yeah. be um like i said you just have that buddy i mean candace is my girl you know i talk to her every month about um you know my period and how that is and i think i'm very fortunate and blessed to have someone like that um mm. family as well plays a really really big role and i live alone so mm. you know sometimes my mom would either come this side or i would have to go back home for a day or two um to cope with that but really, I think more on social media, just normalizing those conversations. You know, if yeah. you're a woman and you're experiencing something completely different. I mean, I know it's 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 it sounds crazy, but even when you post about it, I mean, you have people like us who are always active on Twitter, who are always active on like Facebook and Instagram. If you post something like that and I pick it up, I'm going to be there to give you advice. Like I would yeah. I wouldn't mind like supporting you. And mm-hmm. I feel like maybe something like that, like even the hashtag girl talk ZA. Yeah. You know, if you post something like that, girls are always there to help with the different remedies. I know that there's this onion um, remedy. I haven't tried it. I'm scared. Um, you <laughs> take an onion, you cut it in half, and then you put it in a bowl of um, hot water and you literally like stand over it with your yoni. I've it's like yoni that. steaming. It's like yoni. Oh, okay. I've tried One, that. You've tried it? Does yeah. it work? Yes, I do it every month. Oh, Doesn't girl, work. okay. What does it do? It, it it burns. It's uncomfortable, but it burns. But then I don't yeah. know what it does. I, I feel relaxed. Like, everything So does relaxed. it help My with the pelvic, pain? Does it help the, with the flow? Yes, like, pelvic pain just goes. I don't even have to take pills. Everything. I sleep well. Like, everything's fine. 
Yeah. But from what I know is that if you have like an I if you have anything inserted, so I think an IUD, Mirana, all those things, mm. you can't steam. Oh, I steam. Yeah, you can't. You shouldn't you shouldn't. So I shouldn't. Steam. Yeah, you <laughs> if you have yeah. So this is the thing about Yoni steaming, right? So you know the thing is it's it's not medically it's not medically tested as to the benefits are correct and the disadvantages. But one thing is that the steam is a breeding ground for infection in your yes. vi- in your vagina, right? And um, in as much as I know that people who have done it said that they've they've experienced the benefits, yeah. I think it's important not to do it as oh, frequent yeah. as possible. Okay. So yeah. maybe do it like once every three months, okay. right? Yeah. Um, so that at least the steam is not creating a, a breeding ground for infections. Because remember, again, the, the vagina is a self-cleaning me- mechanism. Yeah. So already, like, the steam is just, it's it's going to throw off your pH balance. It's going to throw yeah. off, like, the, the cleaning of the, the vagina that itself. Um, but I also know that there have been incidences where girls have told me that they've actually burnt themselves because the vaginal skin oh. is very sensitive. Sure. So some would actually sit immediately as they pour the hot water yeah. over the, uh, the, the thing and they burn themselves. And that's what causes the hurt. Mm. Um, so for me, it's just like, it's, it's, it's a neither there or here type of thing. Because again, it's like, you have a few who have like, no, it really does help. Yeah. And then you have a few where it's like, it's actually burnt me. Mm. Um, but from a medical point of view, they do say that the steam can be a breeding ground and it can be a breeding ground for infections. So don't do it like every single day, yeah. but at least just maybe like be mindful as to how often you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. Oh yeah. And definitely you can't do it with an IUD. That's also yeah. what they say. Okay. Okay. Noted. Yeah. Okay. And are you done? Also, yeah, I'm no, I'm just shook. Like, because the thing is, I was about to buy that steaming thing, ne? Yeah. <laughs> and you guys saved me money. Hey, I think I'm gonna take that money and put it in my savings. Cause you're like, I almost did it, and now I'm like, hey, me, I don't want my vagina to burn off, or now for the skin to peel, or for things to happen. <laughs> like, I think let me just eat plain yogurt and I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plain yogurt and pineapples, and I'm okay. Like, jeez. <laughs> Wow, I'm shook. But yeah, um, for, for the ladies out there, like on social media, I'm there to share any experiences. If you just want, if you want to cry to someone, I'm really good at that. Like you can cry to me. <laughs> you can go to Candace for all the information. But for me, you can cry to me. <laughs> you can also cry with me. Because I cry too. Ministers cry too. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but how are you guys' experiences as well? I think um, we have different dynamics with, like, especially the women in our families. I think I was having a conversation with Wanga earlier on, and she was like, ever since she started her endometriosis journey, it's been very difficult to speak to her mom and connect with her mom in that level again. Nzako, yeah. um, is it the same with you? I don't know how it would be with me. I honestly feel like maybe there would be, like, maybe my aunts, my grandparents, there would be some people, my mom to a certain degree, maybe. I don't know. I'm, so, I'm trying to think through people or women in my family would be mm. as supportive and like would go through this journey with me um, is that a challenge with you guys no i'm sorry i can't even lie to you hey like my brother knows our cycles my younger brother my youngest brother knows when not to annoy us mm. so like in my family it's a pretty like periods are just as normal as going to buy milk mm-hmm. it's, yeah mm-hmm. but i would recommend you know sometimes guys like you need to 
as much as our parents are so uncomfortable with the conversation, I, I don't know, maybe it's because, Mina, I've, I've been that child who, if I want to speak about something, I'll speak about it. And like, that's that. You guys will have, have the conversation. You sit them down and you open up that door. You never know. I mean, yeah. you could be the one to actually break that generational curse of silence and secrecy and say, guys, this is what I'm experiencing. I'm going to make this a norm. Same way we're trying to make patriarchy a norm um, and these conversations a norm on social media. I think you need to be that person. You need to be that one who's going to open up that door. And as much as, yes, they may shut you down, but you just keep just keep drilling it into them. Treat it yeah. like that. Because, yeah, treat it like that and, and you'll see. It wasn't always this free and open that you can talk about sex and all of these things, but you have to start somewhere. And I feel yeah. like you are that person. And I know it's going to be difficult, but you are that person to open that conversation because you also want to create a safe space for your future daughters and their daughters and their yeah. daughters. So it has to start with you. Um, I feel like with my experience, I hear what you're saying. And I, I mm. think it's that thing we as much I don't want to say I'm speaking on her behalf but then I feel like people take things differently so when mm. I was diagnosed and I was young and I was in a different province so my parents never really saw how sick I was because every time they came to visit I was in hospital and I was stabilized so like I looked fine but the minute they leave it's like these pains like they start again so up until um, my experience was actually bad up until Okay, my mom was off, like off, off. I don't know. She didn't understand, even though I sat down with her um, and, and spoke to her about it. Up until there was a time, I was, I think I was doing my, yeah, my second year. I was at Mediclinic, Portrostrom. I was there for like three months. Yeah, three months. Yeah. They were not yeah. discharging me at all. I was constipated, like nothing was coming out, like nothing. And I couldn't eat anything. It was nausea, like all the time. And then I, my mom got angry because I wasn't doing well at school. So I kind of like dropped out of school because my health was like, because now I wasn't getting enough treatment or I, was, I wasn't getting um, the correct mm. treatment for my endometriosis. So my mom mm. got angry, like all the money is going to you, all, all the medical aid, you are the only one using it. So she, she couldn't understand. I feel like even though she's warmed up to, to the fact that I'm sick, my father surprisingly is the one that understands. So he's like my mom and my dad mm. at the same time. So he Googles, he sends me stuff when i need it so i feel like it differs from maybe mother to mother but i would expect her to understand more but she doesn't so mm. i stopped um i stopped trying to make uh, myself like mom please understand because it would frustrate me because i'm in pain so i would sleep on the floor and it's like she wouldn't be bothered my dad was the one who'd come like comfort me you know it's gonna be okay so i just feel like with me support was my biggest um, I don't know how to say hindrance. I don't know if I'm saying it right. It was it's, anyway, with, yeah, I, support. Excuse me. No, no, no. I was just about to say, Uguti, it's it's not Uguti from my side. It's perfect because there are times when, for example, like you know, you never speak about weight when it comes to a woman with endometriosis because her hormones are always up and down, yes. and her, she gains. And so my mom has this very bad habit of. She likes to comment on my weight. And this week um, we had a family passing and my family, they were all like commenting on my weight. And I'm like, I just started my treatment. Like I literally just started it. So if I'm already like this balloon that you guys are claiming me to be, yeah. can you imagine what it's going to look like? So 
it's one of those things where I think we just have to, same thing with, with social media, we just have to really, really give people time because and, and they, they won't understand. And I keep saying, yeah. do not comment about my weight. I yeah. see what's happening to it, but I do not have any control over it. Yeah. So it, they, they will make mistakes. But with your mom, you know, as long as you have your dad, I mean, I'm glad you have somebody. Yeah. To, to talk and you have to. us. Yeah. yeah. And you've got, know, exactly, you've got us. I yeah. think send her articles, show her different experiences outside no, of no, yours. No, guys. Because, I know I've hmm? stopped. I've stopped doing that. It's quite frustrating. Like I would mm. literally already my hormones are up and down. So with mm. me trying to get her to understand me was just a bit too much for me. So also because I don't really have like, how can I put this extended family? So my friends are legit my family. So if I can't go out because mm. the cold makes me, sometimes my operation stitches get like funny, like when it's cold. Eesh. So I wouldn't mm. go out. So my friends would come over. Like my friends are my biggest support system. So mm. I feel like with them also, they've kind of like compensated my mom being absent in my whole journey. I mean, mm. like it's frustrating as, as a girl, child, you know, growing up and your yeah. mom's in there with such things. But then, mm. like, like when I was browsing through Instagram and saw conversations with mom, I made sure that I tap in there because I know I need support. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And I'm glad I did because, look, we're having such conversations and it's uplifting. Or people understand at least what I'm going through. Mm. I'm happy you have your dad. God bless your dad. You. Like, I'm really, really happy. It takes a lot for a man to understand something like this completely. Yeah. 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 But I think it goes back to the conversation earlier where um, they don't know our experiences. So every time we tell them of something, um, they take it with panic because it's like, okay, they take it like seriously because they're like, okay, no, um, I don't know this pain. It sounds very hectic. And so I take it as what, what it is. I think with women, sometimes you always downplay it. And it's the discussion we're having earlier on. It's like maybe downplay it because we're like, but I don't experience it this severely. So how, how come yours is like this severe yeah. or whatever, whatever? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I wanted to thing? ask Nsako, um, how like when you were diagnosed, like how mm-hmm. was it for you? Like how were you diagnosed? Um, so in high school I had like the really bad pain. Sometimes I'd even like faint out of nowhere. Yeah. I'd throw up everywhere, you know, the norm. And then <laughs> the norm, the endometriosis <laughs> norm. Um <laughs> Um, and then when I got to varsity now, because now in varsity, I wasn't just in varsity. I was, vars- I was in varsity and I was working. So now I started to, it started to affect my bag, girl. Yeah. I was like, nah, 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 nah. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> and yeah. um, I, I went to my first gynae and then, yeah, she was just like, oh, oh okay. She literally did a sauna. She was like, oh, okay, this is endometriosis. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, sharp. And then I didn't. I, I blame myself, but also partially blame her for not telling me about it. She was just like, no, it's just a heavy period. It's just a lot of pain. Like, you'll be fine. Here's the pill. I was on the pill for a year. And then I went to a second gynae. Same thing. And then the, my dad was the one who found... No, it was my mom, actually, who found the, 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 the specialist. And then, yeah. So the diagnosis was just, oh, you have endometriosis. Go live your life. Mm. <laughs> Literally. Okay. Because with me, it was different. Like, I missed my period mm. for for 10 months. What? I'm telling no, you. No. And, like, my doctor kept saying, no, it's going to come. It's going to come the whole time. 
and that's why I'm thinking you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My mom is like, Yo, uniti. I'm like, No, 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 no. I wasn't even sexually active, so I was like okay because my doctor i trusted my doctor you know this thing with doctors and not getting a second opinion will mm. really really um drain your medical aid because i was like okay what is happening and then when i was writing like my prelims like now it's unbearable i have back pains i can't sit on the chair properly and then i went to my doctor then um he transferred me to a gynae and then when they checked me they said my womb is swollen and then I was like, swollen. I'm like 17. Like, how can it be swollen? And then they mm-hmm. gave me um, contraceptives, but he only he told me to take the part where um, I go my period. So the red, the red pill. So I, I I took that, but I was on my period for such a long time. Like blood was just coming out. Like I did not understand. And then only after like first year, because when I when it started with me, it didn't start off as endometriosis. I had ovarian cysts like the whole time. Yeah. Like on both my ovaries, I would have cysts and then they would rupture. So every time I'd faint yeah. on campus, people thought I had epilepsy or something. Kanti, they mm-hmm. rupturing. And every time I go to casualty mm-hmm. ER, and then they would say, no, you had an ovarian cyst. So I, I didn't get a medical diagnosis for for a while and then mm-hmm. after um i removed because i had like you um you mentioned that you had like um cysts is it like seven cysts or what way 11 my dad on which organ 11 lucky number 11 which organ was this it was on both ovaries five on yeah. one six on the other mm. so i also took mm. like what what's that scan where they also found like cysts on my kidneys like I had cysts everywhere. Yeah. I had cysts on. I will send. I will send. Uh, my medical report. I had cysts on my kidneys. I had cysts on mm-hmm. both my ovaries. So I was going through so much pain up until I had, I think, my second op, and then they were like, "Okay, you have endometriosis," and I was like, "Yo, wow, yeah." So it took time. So I was going through so much pain, and my doctor just wanted to cut me the whole time, not actually telling me what the problem was. Are you with the same doctor now or are you with a different doctor? No, I'm with a different doctor at, at NetK mm. in Joburg, Mayfair. Oh, I was just about to say, mm. where are you based? Because if you're in KZN, sis, can I please give you the doctor's number? Because my doctor studied in the UK, studied endometriosis in the UK for seven years. Okay. That's why, like, I'm not going anywhere after this. Like, that mm. doctor will probably even birth my children. Yeah. Like, yo. Yeah, so it was mm. on my side. Yo. But you're standing. And that's the thing about women. Like, you're still standing. You're still Mm -hmm. living life. You're still going after your dreams. Like, you're still doing this. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what, like, mind boggles me. Like, even as a woman, knowing the experiences, it's the fact that you're still standing. Yeah. 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 And you're not alone. Hey, You really Mm -hmm. aren't alone. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. Okay, guys, any final closing remarks before we end off the podcast? Yes, definitely. Um, I wanted to say, I think it was Candace on Zako that mentioned that in America, the stats of these organizations and, you know, I follow girls on Instagram that, like, they do daily posts. It's like they, like, empower each other with endometriosis. I feel like mm. we should have more of that platforms. And obviously, after 
this whole corona thing has ended, we can actually even do a mini walk, you know, with the yellow ribbons and everything. Because you know how people take uh, cancer so seriously and you have your cancer walks, your October cancer month mm. and everything. I think we should start normalizing such things. Because I know, I know when we start, people's gonna look at us funny but then i feel like it's really really important for us to build a support structure i mean like i can't imagine myself if i didn't have the support that i have with the friends that i have i don't think i would be as vocal about my journey with endo like support is the biggest thing so even on social Mm. media can we please please also with conversations with mom can we please normalize talking about all of all of these things because they're really beneficial yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And talk Candice. Um, ladies, let's just open ourselves up. These conversations need to be normal. Um, let's and thank you also um for allowing us to speak about these things because when you do, you sound crazy. Um, mm. but also crazy can be really good. Um, especially mm. <laughs> like this. Um, and let's just, I, I think there's a, a, a huge shift in, in women and the way we are holding each other down. It's definitely better than this time last year. You know, women these mm-hmm. days are really starting to understand the power of us standing together. And yeah. let's just continue doing that in every single space. But from my side, like really, I'm just going to continue being a survivor, continue sharing my story Yes. Um, and really just continue helping anyone out there who who wants the, you know, just the support and just the sisterhood of, mm-hmm. of you know, endometriosis. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I think definitely it's important to, I mean, just having these conversations, it really changes your perspective mm-hmm. on a lot of things. It, it changes your perspective on like, you know, what menstruators go through on a month-to-month basis. And I think people listening to this can then also have conversations with their circles and then it can expand, right? Because now you're like, what can I do to help? Mm. What can I do to to spread the awareness? So I think especially with something like endometriosis, much more needs to be done, especially in South Africa. There definitely needs to be more work, um, you know, advocacy work in the space of like calling for the right to health, calling for the right to affordable health care, calling to the, the right to, you know, doctors changing their perspectives on how they view period pain. Yes. Um, so there's, there's a lot that needs to be changed. But I think just by starting to have the conversations, you normalize it. Um, yes. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I think a, take, a big takeaway for me is just normalizing having discussions and, and questioning your healthcare practitioners. So when you're at the doctor's, and you're feeling certain pains, you're feeling certain rise, and they keep like they put you in one direction, keep questioning and, and normalize just having trying to understand and unpack what is actually happening within you, within your body. Um, yeah. and also just being vocal um about what is happening with you and with your body, um, with the people around you, your friends, your family, and not just women, um, also having those conversations with men as well so that they understand. Um I, um, I always laugh at my partner now because every time um I'm, I'm ovulating when I'm starting my period because I know that I'm about to ovulate. It's either I have minor pains and I'm like, okay, no, it's probably starting soon or my cravings just skyrocket. So he's always just like, ah, oh, no, your moods are coming soon. I'm like, it's not just moods. Like there's a whole yeah. thing happening yeah. in my body right now for yeah. the next couple of days. 
So mm. just normalize having these conversations so that they also understand and it's, it's not just so we don't we don't belittle what is actually happening um in our bodies. I think very magical big things are happening within us. Um and mm. so yeah, let's just continue um continue having these conversations, continue supporting each other. Um and no one's experience is, ex- is the same. I think this is what we've also heard um in this uh, um in the podcast that no one's experiences are the same. So I think let's just um let's be nice to each other guys and let's continue loving and supporting um and having these important dialogues and I look forward to having many more um of these sessions with you guys and thank you so so much for joining today thank you thank you, thank you.